Praise the Lord. I'm happy to see many of my old friends here, brothers and sisters, and a lot of new faces too. Praise the Lord, and God bless us all as we listen to his word today. Let us just pray. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Be prepared to meet your God. Those words were spoken by God himself through the prophet Amos. In chapter 4, we find that God was making desperate attempts to draw the people back to himself. But the people were indifferent. And finally, what did God say through uh, the prophet Amos? He said, yet all my attempts have failed, yet you have not returned to me. Yet you have not returned to me. And because you have not returned to me, now you have to face the consequences. Be prepared to meet your God. Whatever indifference you have shown to me, you will have to bear the consequences. Today's teaching is on this very same topic. And I remember when Lincoln told me this is the topic for today's teaching, preparing to meet the Lord. I asked him when, now or in eternity? And he told me both. So I said, very good, good reply. Because unless I am ready to meet the Lord now, I will never be able to meet him in eternity. Right? And so today we find that yesterday's and today's gospel readings in the liturgy give us the reasons why God is asking this of us, that we have to be ready to meet him. In the case of the rich man in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, that man is so full of himself that you'll find six times he says, I, 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 I will do this, I will do this. I have got such a lot of wealth now. I will big, build big granaries and storehouses and I will just relax for the rest of my life. I will eat, drink and be merry. He had no concern for others and he had no concern about what was going to happen after life. And then Jesus tells a parable. He says, look here. He's telling his disciples through this parable, you fool, he says to that rich man, your soul will be required of you tonight. And then all that you have heaped and gathered, whose is it going to be? And in that same text, I just want to read to you this from Luke chapter 12. This is a very important text for us to make note of because in verse 21, so is he, which applies to every one of us, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What Jesus is trying to get across to us is that while we live our lives here on earth, we, we know that certain material wealth is necessary for us to go through life. But if we are going to make that our obsession and our only focus, then the Lord is telling us 
that something is definitely going to be wrong. And I will have to bear the consequences of this wrongdoing. That I'm laying up treasures for myself. In the following verses you find, he said, why are you worried about food and clothing? Seek first the kingdom of God. Today, if Jesus is talking to us, he'd say, why are you worried with your mobiles and your computers? What is the media trying to get across to us? If you listen, I tell you the news is absolutely, I would use the word disgusting. The only focus is violence, wealth, and of course we have sex coming into it also. And is through our mobiles and through our computers, is this going to engage us through life? So materially, we are so worried about what is happening to us in this life that we are perhaps not thinking of what is going to happen once we quit this world. And that is why Moses in Psalm 90, verse 12, he says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain wisdom of heart. We need God's wisdom, dear brothers and sisters, to tell us and to show us, to guide us along life's journey. In fact, every day, I have made this my prayer, Solomon's words in Wisdom chapter 9, where he's crying out for wisdom. He's saying, send me the wisdom that sits at your, at your right hand embodied in Jesus Christ, because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Send her forth from the holy heavens, so that she may be with me and toil, and I will learn what is pleasing to thee. For she knows and understands all things, and she will guide me wisely in my actions and guard me with her glory. What more do I want? Wisdom is the thing that is needed. And then he's saying, give me the wisdom of heart. And the wisdom of heart will tell you and me that we are not going to live on this earth forever. The death sentence was passed on us even before we were born. Hello? Right. In Sirach, I'll just read this to you. In Sirach, 14, chapter 14, verse 17, it says, you will surely die. And this death sentence was passed on us when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. All of humanity were going to pay, the, have, have to pay the consequences of this sin. Pain, suffering, and death. Genesis 3, 19. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And in Hebrews 9, 27, we have a little added thing there which says, it is appointed for men to die once, and then the judgment. But I'll come to that in a little while's time. And so we find that every day we are confronted with death. Just a few days back, 62 deaths snuffed out on the railway tracks in Amritsar. We hear of natural calamities. We are hearing of young people's 
accidents daily, at least four to five accidents every day on the, uh, in the newspaper. Yesterday's paper, today's paper, I think, quoted, saying about how a man was just hit from behind, flew off the flyover, the father dies, and the son's body was cut in two, separated. I am not here, dear brothers and sisters, to instill fear into you. No. God, our Father, does not want us to fear death, but to face death. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell us today. And as we continue, so beautifully, he says in verse 37, Blessed are those servants whose master finds them awake when he comes. What does this being awake mean? I have to be spiritually alive. Because this is explained to us very well. In fact, Jesus says, look, if a thief were to come to your house, wouldn't you be alert? You know how much of security we are doing for our homes today? Not only the door, there's a grill door, then there's a lock on the gate. But all that security is of no use when the thief knows how to get in. And Jesus is comparing himself to a thief over here. He says, I'm going to come at any time. You have to be ready. So here he not only says, blessed are those servants whose master finds them awake when he comes. And this is explained to us very well in Revelation 3, verses 1 to 3. I know your works. You have the name of being alive. All of us are alive. We are breathing. You have the name of being alive, and you are dead. Awake and strengthen what remains and is on the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight, in, in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep that and repent. If you will not awake, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I come upon you. And then, after giving us this word of encouragement, that, okay, I ought to be awake, and then in verse 40, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Son of Man. Now, when we talk about the coming of the Son of Man, we always think about the second coming. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. We think of the second coming. Jesus' first coming was his birth here on earth. And his second coming after his death and resurrection will be when he comes to judge the living and the dead. The second coming. I just read for you from Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed for men to die once and then the judgment. When in the Bible we have three deaths mentioned. The first death is the physical death. That is meant for all of us. None of us are here to stay. Okay? Every one of us is going to quit this world one day. I said Genesis 3.19, dust thou art and unto dust thou shalt return. The second one is the spiritual death, 
when we are separated from God, like this ceiling over here, this roof over here, will not allow a drop of rain to fall. Why? Because it's a barrier here. Sin acts like a barrier between God and me. You may cry out and raise numerous prayers, prayers to God. God may be blessing you abundantly, but the blessings will not reach us. And my prayers will not go beyond the ceiling when there's sin in our lives. And that's what is spiritual death. And I think Jesus explains it beautifully in the parable of the prodigal son, where the son comes back. And what does the father say? What will God our father say to you and me? I have a chance of coming back to life after being spiritually dead when I repent of my sin. When I tell God, Lord, I'm so sorry that I have sinned. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, you don't have to run to a chapel. Then and there, in that split second, when you realize that you have sinned and you just say, Lord, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Gone, your sin is wiped off immediately. I feel sometimes we Catholics have fallen into a trap. That we think that for every sin of ours, and you know, mind you, when the sins are accumulated, I don't know how many times people will be counting on their fingers, their toes, maybe even the grains of the sand. Impossible. All that I need to do is say, Lord, I have sinned much. God knows everything about me. He knows what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. And then the father says, when the son comes back to him, this son of mine was lost and now is found. He was dead and now he's alive. And this is what happens to us, that we are all sinners. Paul calls us saints, yes. All of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus, we are on the way to sainthood, no doubt. Because we become so aware of our sin. We ask God to forgive us our sin the moment we become aware of it. But there's a third death that the Bible speaks of. What I gave you was in the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verse 24. That's spiritual death. And the third one is eternal death, which is in the Bible called the second death, recorded in Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. What is the second death? There, it said very clearly, I'm trying to go a little fast because I want to cover much. Idolaters, murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, all these huge sins, and in the midst of it, and all liars. Hello. If any of us are telling lies, don't tell me it's not in the Ten Commandments, okay? Very clearly said here. And all liars will face the second death that is the lake of sulfur. What does the second death mean? It means eternal damnation in hell. And who will be eligible for this eternal death? Those who have commit committed serious and grave sin and are beyond repentance. There are people today who are sinning and they will say, ah, that's not sin. Everybody is doing it. Why worry? 
you know, each of these things that I'm sharing with you today is like a teaching in itself. I, there's no time for me to dwell on this. But I understand there's going to be a Life in the Spirit seminar soon. I would request those of you who have never made a Life in the Spirit seminar, make this seminar, invite others also to come. If I'm standing here, brothers and sisters, and speaking to you today, it's simply because God touched my life 30-odd years ago. And I'm not the kind of, you know, saint or holy person, but we are all striving to be there, trying to walk the narrow path. And this is what God is saying, this is how you have to be ready, be prepared. And so I've just told you now, the reason why is because ultimately, why does the Lord say, be ready? Not just for the second coming, but I can come at any time now. I may not see the light of tomorrow. I may go to bed tonight and not wake up tomorrow. And so while I am living, I have life. There is hope for me to make myself right with God. A daily examination of our conscience before we go to bed and tell God that we are sorry, I think will help very much. But it doesn't end there. If in the course of that day I have seen occasions where I have to mm, mend relationships, I have hurt somebody, then it's important for me to tell Jesus, Lord, tomorrow, first thing in the morning, I will pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Or I will meet them in person and I will ask their pardon. Very important. So now I have just covered for you the three deaths and I told you this is the reason why, because there's going to be a judgment. Now, this is a teaching by itself, but I'll tell you very briefly. The moment I die, physical death, my body and my mind will disintegrate either through cremation or burial, but my spirit will live forever. We are made up of body, mind, and spirit. And we find in James chapter 4, verse 5, the text there says, the scripture says, God, listen carefully, God yearns jealously over the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Not the body, not the mind. But what are we concerned with in this life? As I read earlier, only food and clothing, etc., etc. Amassing wealth. And so we find over here that when the Lord speaks to us these words that God is yearning jealously over the spirit that he makes it. My spirit of the body, mind, and spirit, only my spirit will live forever in eternity. And the concern of Jesus is where? Where are you going to spend eternity? Is it going to be with me there in heaven forever? Or is it going to be down there in hell? So our church teaches that the moment we die, there is immediately what they call a particular judgment, where my whole life 
comes before God like uh, looking, him looking at a screen. And according to that, if I am not pure, I am not allowed entry into heaven, but a place of purification called purgatory. Now, this is our Catholic teaching. And when I am purified, then I go to heaven. But, apart from the particular judgment, there is another judgment for which Jesus, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. It's recorded in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 following, that there will be a rapture, the living will be taken up into the air. You know how all that happens? I can't tell you. It has to happen for us to know. But even the dead are going to be raised from the tombs. And then everybody is going to come before the judgment seat. That's the final judgment where I will be permanently a resident of heaven or a resident of hell. But this is the reason God's deep concern about why we have to be ready. Now, I'll quickly share with you some points about how I can be ready. The first one is how to prepare to meet the Lord. I have to feed and nourish myself spiritually. How? Through prayer, through the word of God, through the sacraments. In each of these, you will find that you are getting a chance to meet God. In your prayer time, he will be speaking to you. you. What is prayer? Prayer is not monologue. Prayer is a dialogue where I am speaking to God and he is listening to me. And then I have to mm, close my mouth and listen to what he is saying. Sometimes you have to just keep silent and say, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant. And in that silence, God will speak something to you either to convict you of some wrongdoing or perhaps to give you a pat on the back and encourage you and tell you you have been living a nice life, carry on the way that you are living. Or maybe he will give me an instruction for the day. How do I know it's the Lord's voice and not my own imagination or it is the evil one putting these thoughts? God's voice always brings peace to a person's heart and mind. Any voice that you hear that disturbs you is not the voice of God. And so we find that if I really want to grow spiritually, Jesus has said in John 15, you must bear much fruit. And how do I bear fruit? He says, abide in me. Keep in contact with me, in my prayer, in my, the word of God. You're not coming in touch with a book, dear brothers and sisters. You're coming in contact with Jesus. John 1, 1 to 3, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That is why when we read the scriptures, like the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, what is happening? They said, did not our hearts burn when he opened to us the scriptures? 
Scripture does this for us. That is why it's important for you every day to take the Bible and read it. You don't need, read, need to read chapters and chapters. Just a little bit, even four or five verses a day. And dwell on it and say, Lord, what are you saying to me through this? Hebrews 4.12 says, God's word is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of joints and marrow of soul and spirit and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is what God's word does to us. It guides us along. That's why David says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It shows me which direction to take, where to go, how to live my life. I also want to mention this, that when I start feeding myself and nourishing myself spiritually, you know what is happening to me? I am being transformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. This is not wishful thinking. It is the Father, Romans 8, 29 says, it is the Father's desire that we be conformed to the image of his Son. And the only one who can conform us to the image of the Son is the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 8, Romans 8, 29 tells us about the Father's desire. And now in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we have the Holy Spirit is transforming us from degree to degree into the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Will I not be ready then to meet my God? Yes or no? Yes. If I am going to work on this, I mean have a sort of program where I am going to say, yes, my, I'll be committed to my prayer time, I'll be committed to reading the word of God, I will try and attend mass daily, go regularly for confession, because in all of these, you are meeting your God. So to prepare to meet God finally, I must start meeting him in daily life. The second one, and I, yes, I just want to mention this. The second one is be at peace with God and with everyone else. What does this mean, being at peace with God? You know, there are some people who are very disgruntled with what God has, the choices God has made for us. Every day we are making choices, we are making decisions, but there are some choices that God made for us. He chose my sex, he chose my nationality, he chose my color, he chose my appearance, he chose my family. And there are people who are not happy with all of these choices which God has made. Why did God create me, they say? I wish I died. If you and I have said this at any point of time, then that we have to make our peace with God. Lord, I'm so sorry. You made all these choices for me. And I've been so unhappy with my life. Why was I born into this family? I hope no one here wanted to be born an American or a Russian. Huh? Are you happy with your nationality as an Indian? I have said sometimes, Lord, this country of ours 
has so many religions, so many cultures, and there's such a lot of confusion. And when I ask myself, now why, Lord, why in this country? Because this country is only 2.3 Christian out of 1.2 billion people. That's why. 1.2 billion, one-seventh of the world population is in our country. And that's why he has chosen you and me to be nationals of this country. I'm very proud to be an Indian. And I'm even more proud to be a Christian. But stop at that. Because the moment you start saying, I'm proud to be a Malayali and I'm proud to be a... Then all the trouble starts. I sometimes, when in the seminary, I tell the brothers that you are going to be priests tomorrow. Please, remember you're an Indian and a Christian and nothing more. We all have to be children of our Father in heaven and disciples of Jesus Christ. So the next one now. Be at peace with God. So I said, if we have ever felt that I'm fed up with this life and why did God create me, I have to, I have to be at peace with him. And one of the ways in which that I, after I'm at peace with him, I must tell him that I love him and I must be utterly obedient to his commandment of love. Utterly obedient. Love covers all the Ten Commandments. And if we love God, we will love our neighbor. True, sincerely love God, I will sincerely love my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Everyone in the world other than me is my neighbor. I have to love everybody irrespective of color, caste, or creed status in life or educational qualifications. The poorest man on the road, he is my brother. The filthiest woman in rags is my sister. Do I love them? Do I talk to them? Do I at least smile at them and ask them how they are? These are some of the little ways in which we can express our love for people. And coming now to love of others, how ready will I be to meet my God if I am angry and bitter and bearing grudges against somebody, if I have not spoken to somebody for the last week or month or years, then we are in trouble. Matthew chapter 18 15 to 35, Jesus is only speaking about how we have to make peace with others. And that peace can be made only through forgiveness. And he says, if you are not prepared to do this, then the last in that parable of the unforgiving servant, what does he say? So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You know, I can give you any number of instances where forgiveness has to become your second nature. The moment you get the vibrations that you're not okay with somebody or somebody is not okay, 
Go to them and talk to them. This is what Jesus says. Go and talk to them. If your brother sins, go and talk to him alone. Don't tell 25 others, Jesus says. He doesn't say that here, but I'm saying that to you. Our tendency is to tell 25 others, oh, you know, you know, Kathy, she said this, this, this to me. I don't know why she said it. I think she was very mean. Go to Kathy. Kathy, yesterday you said this to me. I think you're very mean, Kathy. Why did you say it? She'll have a very good reason. When my feelings towards somebody who has hurt me turns from anger to pity, that is love. That is forgiveness. And then I always tell people, forgiveness is a decision. The moment you say, Lord, I've hurt so badly, but I will forgive that person, the grace and mercy floods our being, and then you'll have to, you can take the first step to making peace. Otherwise, what is happening? I see my enemy coming, I turn and walk the other way. Or I, you know, if they're walking in the room, mm, and then from the corner of the eye, look and grind your teeth here. If you and, thank God that God has given us feelings. He has given us these feelings to tell us whether we are on the right path or not. The next point. So I've given you the first one. To prepare to meet the Lord, I have to feed and nourish myself spiritually to such an extent that I am striving to become like uh, Jesus himself. The second one is to be at peace with God and with one another. And when I speak about one another, forgiveness is imperative. Now, the next point, the third point is, I have to keep appropriating God's mercy and forgiveness. What does this mean? Jesus died for my sins in 33 AD. Died on the cross, and three days later rose from the dead. He has done his work and he said, I am shedding, breaking my body and shedding my blood for the forgiveness of sin. So when I realize that I have sinned, it is only, listen carefully, if it, it's only when I open my mouth and confess my sin that I am appropriating that sin for which he died in 33 AD. To explain it very simply to you, I have a check in my pocket for 50,000 rupees. And I'm telling you, I have no money, I have no money, I have no money. What will you tell me to do? I have a check for 50,000 rupees. I have no money. It's all there in my pocket. So what do I do if I need the money? Encash it at the bank. And I will get my 50,000 in my hand. This is how you, we have to appropriate the forgiveness of sin. That only when I confess my sin, I am appropriating the forgiveness of that sin for which Jesus died on the cross in 33 AD. And he has died for every sin that I will commit till my dying day. So this is something very, very important for us to know and to understand 
that the moment I realize that I, initially there is repentance for a conversion experience, but after that repentance has to be ongoing, that the moment I realize that I have sinned, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Why if? If we confess, because we are so proud, we say, hmm, I have no sin. I don't need to confess. The previous verse and the verse after that says that if I say I have no sin, I am a liar and the truth is not in us. And I'm calling God a liar. In the epistle of John, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. Now, I have spoken about the spiritual part and there's a lot more because from the time Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 2 says there's a time to die, sorry, a time to be born and a time to die. And what is happening between my birth and my death, that is what I, God is going to take into account for my judgment. If you have repented of your sin, no worry. But if there's unrepented sin, I have to straighten my life, confess my sin, and if I have sinned so grievously and I'm beyond repentance, I told you then I have to face the second death. Now, apart from the spiritual aspect of what I can do to be ready, I've given you a few points. There is the temporal part also. There are certain things that I need to do to be ready to face my God. I'm just listing them out to you. I have to leave with a clean slate. The first one is if I owe anyone money, payments are due to people, I have to clear that, make the payments. The next one I have written is return borrowed items. Don't, let us not go to our grave and then have somebody coming and chewing up the others in the house and saying, you know, your sister did this and your brother did this. They may demand more than what they have lent also. See. You have to be careful. Clear loans. Don't leave this liability for someone else. Don't put that on someone else's head. You have to work day and work night. Do it. But see that you clear your loan. Make and register your will. Why do I say this? There are so many legal issues when a will is not made. And from nowhere people will be claiming what is rightfully yours. Once the will is made, you have to also see that it is in some safe place, a security deposit. Because wills have been destroyed and the matter has gone on for years in the court with no solution. God has blessed us maybe with movable and immovable property. And God is asking us today, before you leave this world, don't make problems for others. Give your inheritance, it's in one of the scriptures also, give your inheritance to those while you are alive. 
It doesn't mean to say that you have to give your property away, but make the will so that that person enjoys it after your death, not before. Here again, there are so many problems that if you will something to somebody and give it away in this life, there is a great danger that they will abuse your goodness and your charity. I don't want to expand on that. So, yes, and then the next one, we have to stand firm in our faith. The next point I'm giving you, stand firm in your faith. You know, I thank God today for the faith that we have received as Christians from the time of our baptism, for all the values that have been instilled, Christian values of the gospel that have been instilled in us. And the Lord is asking us today, if you want to be ready for me, be firm in your faith. Why? Because Jesus says, just before he comes, there are going to be a lot of false prophets and false teachers who will maybe even make the elect people who are firm in their faith, make them stray away. He has warned, he has warned us to be careful of false prophets and false teachers. So this is where we have to be so strong in our faith that if anyone tries to give me any erroneous teaching, which is not in accordance with the scripture, I will confront them. So to that extent, we have to even make a study of the Bible. And the last one that I'm giving you is we have to reach out to others in word and in deed. To the materially poor, share my possessions to the extent that I can share, with the permission of the family, of course. And I have to also reach out to the spiritually poor, give them the message of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has asked, he has commanded us, go to all nations and give them the good news, share the gospel with them. And now to close, I just want to read to you a poem. The name of the poem is The Dash. On many tombstones you will find the date of birth and the date of death, right? What comes in between? On many of the tombstones in the cemetery you will find born such and such a date, died such and such a date. What is coming in between? The dash. Now listen to this. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on his tombstone from the beginning and to the end. He noted that first came his date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time I, that he spent alive on earth, and now only those who loved him know what that little line, the little dash is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash, 
What matters is how we live and love and how we spend the dash. Praise the Lord. So dear brothers and sisters, I have tried my best to help you to understand. I know this is a very deep teaching. There's lots of teachings come within this teaching. But if I am ready, I have to be ready, prepared to meet my God. I think what we have been listening to, God has spoken to us. Let us just rise to our feet. And for all that Jesus has done for us, for all the blessings that we have received from him, from the Father also, our creator, our provider, our protector, let us glorify our God as we sing the song. Maybe Kathy can come and sing. We'll sing, Majesty, worship his majesty. I have to be ready to worship the majesty there in heaven. Day and night, I will be worshiping my God. But I want to start now. I want to grow in holiness. I have to strive to be holy because the scriptures say without holiness, no one will see God. So let us now, Kathy, come. Just sing for us. Majesty. Majesty. I'll say the words. Worship his majesty. Worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be glory, honor, and praise. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty. Majesty. Kingdom authority. Kingdom authority flows from his throne. Flows from his throne unto his own. Unto his own. His anthem raised. His anthem raised. So exalt, lift up on high. So exalt, lift up on high. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify. Magnify, come glorify. Christ Jesus, Christ the King. Christ Jesus, the King. Ma majesty. Worship His Majesty. Worship His Majesty. Jesus who died, now glorified. Jesus who died, now glorified. His Let's sing that once again. Jesus who died, now glorified. King of all kings. Let's give our Lord Jesus a mighty hand of praise. Praise you, praise you, Jesus. Glory, glory, and praise to our Master.